time to abandon ship. And I persuade you to join us for a drink. It's a tradition. Here, here. Jaja, homie, my main man, quickly. Before the Separatists attack, get into the escape pod. Hey, this is escape. Then wear the patch. Get the Welcome back to Star Wars Escape Pod. I'm your host, Josh, and today we got Diego joining us right back here on the Escape Pod, chatting all about uh, Star Wars The Clone Wars, uh, The Mandalore Plot, Voyage of Temptation, and uh, Duchess of Mandalore. Uh, for those of you following along at home, uh, those are all in the description below with the hyperlinks to watch them on uh, Disney+. Plus and to see, uh, to see the StarWars.com webpage. So that's numbers 39 through 41 of the list chronologically and episodes 212 through 214. So uh, Diego's going to come on board right here in the escape pod with us. So let's chat about Clone Wars with him. Another happy landing. All right, we are back. All right, Diego, welcome back to uh, to the show. And we got some more Clone Wars to go through. Yeah, for sure. Good to be back. Yeah. Good to have you back. Lovely new intro. Lovely new intro. Okay, now we got this going live. We tried this for, for 30 seconds and just couldn't get this to work because I forgot to hit the record button, the rookie mistake. So, <laughs> uh, <laughs> all right. So uh, so we got a lot to talk about here, actually, because um, because we watched some pretty deep episodes uh, we got the first yeah. kind of peek in on Mandalore uh, during the Clone Wars, um, and uh, now you, you you have seen the Mandalorian. Yes. Yeah. So so you yes. were already aware of of uh, about the the dark saber and uh, just like a, a little bit about maybe the culture of Mandalorians, just a tad bit. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, how was that? Just like off the bat, you know, seeing it in comparison to, well, we never saw Mandalore itself in the show, but uh, as far as like Mandalorian people go, uh, in the Mandalorian show, we only really got like warrior kind of characters. Um, now you actually get to see kind of the citizens of Mandalore and like the government that kind of was going on at the time and how uh, the Duchess Satine was um, kind of ruling over Mandalore and uh, as a pacifist uh, in charge of a planet that's really quite well known for its warrior culture so uh, like what what do you think of all of this kind of off the bat of seeing this arc it's nice to see because uh, it's not something we ever really got to see besides you know in the in the live action films and you know before the mandalorian show we only really saw boba fett jangle fett which uh i'll come back to that point later uh in in our talk here but um uh, it, it's cool to see what civilian life was like and the planet where they actually come from. Uh, cool to see their armor. Uh, very, very similar to Django's and Boba's. Um, but yeah, it was cool to see kind of like their, uh, their humble beginnings, if you will. Yeah. Yeah. And, and yeah. well, a lot, you know, a lot of people I talked to about this arc, they tend to have a problem with, um, with uh, Duchess Satine. Uh, so like I, I've got a buddy of mine and he, who's he gets really steamed about the character of Duchess Satine because Mandalore is supposed to be a warrior world, like a, a world kind of known for its uh, warrior culture and and all that. And now here we are in the Clone Wars, like, you know, kind of the wa the war to break all wars kind of thing. Like this is like the biggest war that's happened in a thousand years in Star Wars and Mandalore kind of the planet that would dominate this war if they were fighting it is just like sitting there as a neutral planet doing absolutely nothing their warrior culture is dead and anyone remaining in it has been disbanded and uh, ex exiled to their their moon concordia 
um, and uh, the leader of Mandalore right now, uh, um, Duchess Satine, is a pacifist. So that's like one extreme yes. to the next. Like, um, and I find it interesting that that uh, that uh, this friend of mine doesn't like Duchess Satine at all because because that's exactly the way that the death watch feel about about her right like they just hate duchess Satine. they're like hey this woman freaking like destroyed our culture like we're all about mm -hmm. the knives and the guns like what's up with this lady yeah. right like it's it's almost yeah. like the new president of the united states just saying okay guns are banned all right no more no more wars we're gonna pull back our military from every single part of the world now uh you know like it's it's a no, people people would be furious yeah you know? well it's in this it's like the second amendment right like that you have, you have the right yeah. to bear arms so uh, now yeah. I'm not American, but I mean, like I I know this stuff just because it's so uh, it's like you know one of the primary things out there that stands out to me at least when I think of America. I think oh guns. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Exactly. I mean, like just <laughs> it's just kind of what comes to mind. But um, but yeah. yeah, like what do you think about that? Like just like the the pacifism like contrast to their warrior culture ways. I think it's ironic because. Uh, like you said, and you can tell even as these three episodes, they go on and we actually get to see a little bit of a display of these people. Uh, they're fighters. Like they, it's in their blood. It, it's, it's something that's been with them for generations after generations. And they're, they're hungry, you know, they want blood, but this, you know, leader that they have is kind of preventing that. And she wants to, her political view is obviously different from like you know their conservative you know killers right well not killers but warriors if you mm -hmm. will but um they they you can tell they don't like her and you can tell that they they would like to be in another war or fighting but they're they're being held back and they're not a fan of it um i personally don't really have anything against the character um like We'll we'll get into a little bit more detail about like her uh, later in the in the podcast, but um, yeah, I mean personally, like I I would say I would probably have more of a problem with Padme than than really Dutch Satine to be honest. Yeah, hmm. interesting. Why is that? I don't know. Like like Padme is like Padme. She does have an important role in the show. I mean, she's one of the main reasons that you know darth vader becomes darth vader uh right so but i mean the whole like luke and leia are born and she's like oh my heart's broken i'm not gonna continue for my kids like mother of the year award right but uh yeah that, that's just some of the things well one of the reasons i i'm not the biggest fan of her no okay see so, so, yeah okay all right, that's that's interesting. So, uh, do you feel like the Clone Wars slowly over time though is giving you a little more exposure of of like likeness to that character? Because um, at least they're like it's it's getting it's giving her more depth is what it's doing. Yeah, I would say I would say like by the end of the show, I'm she's probably gonna grow on me. But just as of right now, because we're only a quarter away quarter of the way through the show, like. Um, I still kind of feel like that about her, um, but um, yeah, I mean, we'll we'll just have to wait and see because I, she's she's had a couple episodes and we've talked about them in previous uh, shows before, but yeah, um, yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll I'll just have to see and if she changes my mind, but yeah, for sure, yeah, um, yeah. yeah. So I guess the first episode that we watched was the Mandalore plot. Um, so this was. Uh, primarily uh, about Obi-Wan going to Mandalore to investigate um, an assassination kind of uh, thing that that happened there was a what was it one of their one of their Republic ships or something was attacked by uh, a um, Mandalorian uh, well dressed in Mandalorian armor right and he knows nothing about the Death Watch yet up until this point so so he goes yeah. he goes asking questions right so he goes and meets his old friend Duchess Adine. Uh Obi-Wan and Satine have a have a long history and uh, they kind of go for a walk and um, you know and and uh, uh, then a, an explosion goes off in the one of the, the plazas that they're walking through on Mandalore and uh, 
and uh, it leaves a sign behind a hologram, which is the sign of the Death Watch. And up until this point, kind of we got like hints about what the Death Watch might be. But basically, they're just a Mandalorian terrorist group. Uh, at least they're looked upon as terrorists. Uh, but what they are really in their own perspective is they're, they are a rebellion uh, working against their own government that they disagree with. Uh, very similar to how the rebellion is working against the Empire. Um, except, you know, the rebellion has... Of course, vastly different moral standards in in some ways. Uh, that actually becomes a little more gray if you if you watch Rogue One. But uh, just in general, we think of the rebellion as the good guys, right? Uh, whereas in on, on Mandalore, like their warrior culture is their way, like it's their culture, right? Uh, this is the way. So <laughs> uh, you know, like they feel very offended that this new leader of theirs has taken up this pacifist position and put Mandalore in this uh, in this kind of i don't know pacifist state i guess um and it's yeah. their way of communicating that they don't want to be in the dark anymore like they want to be you know on the front lines they want control of mandalore they want to be able to make the rules about you know bringing back that culture that they you know they basically want right um so uh, that's kind of like the main thing I think that stuck out to me. Um, and uh, it appears like later on that uh, the Death Watch has been hiding on, uh, well, they've been exiled slash hiding on, um, I would assume it's the warriors that Satine is talking about, right? Because didn't you say that their warriors were exiled a long time ago to Concordia, their moon? Um, and yeah. uh, ironically enough, that's where Death Watch is, is now <laughs> hiding. Um, and... Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, and that's where all their warriors are. So I would assume that the warriors that she speaks of turned into Death Watch um, and and started kind of uh, making uh, like a force up there uh, of some kind. So uh, yeah, that's uh, that's pretty much that's pretty much what I got as far as kind of the opening of that. Did you catch anything through the first like half of the episode that really stuck out to yeah, you? Yeah. Yeah, so for me in the first little half of the episode, um, you notice you remember that part where Obi Wan. There's a part where Obi Wan is talking with a bunch of Mandalores, uh, and he, he's they're talking about the Clone Wars and the Clone Army uh, and how based off uh, Jango Fett and the guy he says, oh, yeah, oh, to Prime Minister Allman. Remember, yeah, yeah. Remember when he when the Prime Minister basically says, oh, Jango. He made it seem like Jango was just a regular yes. dude. Like, yeah, so that's a big like, part of this episode. Yeah. Uh, that's actually something that George Lucas wanted to put in the show to very clarify his character that he'd made for Attack of the Clones. Um, and basically, it's confirming that Jango Fett is not Mandalorian. Um, mm -hmm. Prime Minister Almac has... Because has, Obi-Wan, he brings out the hologram of this Mandalorian a, a terrorist guy. Uh, and, uh, you know, they have a discussion about him. And and uh, they he, he basically says, uh, you know, I, I encountered a Mandalorian who who wore uh, similar armor to this. And, uh, you know, and um, he was basically like, accusing the fact that, oh, maybe this guy's connected kind of like maybe like Django Fed or something like that. Who knows? Uh, and then, you know, mm -hmm. Prime Minister Almack clarifies he's just like. Uh, Jango Fett was a common bounty hunter. Like how he acquired that armor is beyond me, right? Like he's just kind of yeah. stating it. It's like, you know, it is what it is. It's like that that dude. He's just a bounty hunter. Like I don't even know where he comes from or who he is. Whatever. I know he was a popular bounty hunter back in the day when he was alive. But that armor didn't belong to him at first. Like that was probably yeah. stolen or something like that. And because. Yeah. The Death Watch armor looks so similar to Jango Fett's armor, it makes me wonder if he stole it from maybe a Death Watch supply of some kind. Like prior to the Clone Wars. Yeah. Prior to the Clone Wars. Well, well, maybe while Death Watch was kind of building up forces. Yeah. Um, it's funny you say that because, uh, you know, he's just a regular, you know, bounty hunter. He's acquired the Mandalorian armor. But could you imagine if, let's say, what if Attack of the Clones came out in such a different way where they were all the clones were based off of an actual mandalore warrior could you imagine how intense and how much better the clone army would be yeah. because of them yeah you know could you imagine like they 
I don't know. I don't I know. The Star Wars would be completely different. Yeah. Like, well, that's the know? common misconception too, because because we all think, oh, Jango Fett, he was a great warrior. Like, like you know, that's why they chose him to be the template clone because he is, you know, a warrior background. He's he's got good genes, kind of thing, right? Like everyone always thought. And and then in the expanded universe, I believe this was the case. I believe. Uh, Jango Fett uh, at one point in the EU what, prior to being clarified as him not being a Mandalorian uh, there was a lot of uh, a lot of stories told about the Fett clan and uh, you know creating a background about this whole uh, culture and and Jango Fett was indeed in, uh, adopted of, of some kind into the Mandalorian culture so yeah. yeah. So at, at this point in time, like, I don't really know exactly what his uh, origin is with with Mandalore, his connection to Mandalore. But it is possible that he was adopted of some kind, because I know that adopting into the culture is a big part of their way. Um, and, uh, you know, it's it's almost like, you know, how Canada is like built on immigration. Right. Like like it's a, it's yeah. a country that's been built on immigration over the last uh, many, many years. Right. So yeah. like it's, it's a, like Mandalore is like that, except it's, um, it's a, a culture filled with, uh, a background of war. Right. So, uh, you know, having acceptance into this culture, uh, also means that you are trained in their ways. Um, uh, and also means that you would probably learn how to fight in some kind, like even the women, the women and the, the women and the children too. <laughs> they, they're all, yeah. they're all fighters. They're, they're all fighters. So, yeah. um, yeah, yeah, who knows? He, he might not be Mandalorian born, but maybe he was later adopted and then decided to do his own thing. No idea. Uh, you can look it up on Wikipedia, I guess, if you want any more information on that, but, um, you were molded by the darkness. I was born. in it. Yeah. <laughs> I was born in it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, um, uh, another thing, uh, first time in the show, well, not the first time, but it's the first time we're seeing Dooku, um, for, for a while in the show now, uh, it's been a, been a little bit. He, he's, uh, basically there's a scene where we see Dooku and he's talking with the Mandalores, uh, devising up some plan. Yeah. Um, yeah. So the whole plot of like using the death watch against Mandalore is basically, They've almost made an agreement with the separatists, with Dooku, right, uh, to kind of help them take back their planet. Um, and in, in yeah. order to do that, they're trying to kind of like corrupt Mandalore into wanting them, wanting wanting an army of their own to take care of whatever problem comes next, right? Uh, part of that is Dooku's going to kind of launch uh, a separatist invasion on the planet. And due to the lack of Republic support, because Satine wants the planet to remain neutral in the war, uh, uh-huh. you know, the Death Watch would look like heroes if they popped up out of nowhere and were like, hey, guess what? We're not just terrorists. We're here to defend our own planet. Uh, and then they uh-huh. become the fighting force against the droids. And, you know, naturally, it would kind of be like an, if you've ever seen The Incredibles, it would kind of be like a syndrome kind of plot. It's like, oh, yeah, I'm a superhero with all these powers and uh, I'm taking down a robot that nobody knows that I built to have certain weaknesses that I control with a remote, right? So, like, you know, <laughs> for all the people in Mandalore concerned, like, this droid army shows up and, you know, uh, they can make Death Watch responsible for destroying the whole thing when in actual fact the attack is quite an easy thing to overcome and, and the Death Watch are in no danger at all because they know the, the battle plans that would happen and everything like that. Like, the, everything's set up, right? Um, all they need is kind of the political um, structure to fall, and and that's that's their in, right? So yeah, uh, yeah. So it's revealed in this episode that uh, Prime Minister, sorry, um, that um, oh shoot, what's his name again? The uh, uh, Pre Vizsla, oh, my goodness, uh, Pre Vizsla, uh, uh, leader of the Death Watch, is also uh, the guy, kind of the head honcho on uh, on. Um, this moon of Concordia, so uh, which at first we don't know, but later on is kind of revealed in the episode. But um, did you notice, like, when they approach Concordia, uh, Satine mentioned like a ton of st- uh, she mentioned that most of the forests on that planet were gone because of the mining operation. <coughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I, it made me think. What was that? Well, it made me think because this, like, this is a planet with a lot of history, right? 
uh, yeah. most of their history being uh, the fact that their warriors will wear uh, armor, right? Like Beskar armor yeah. of some kind, right? Yeah. So uh, it makes me wonder, like all this mining that they've been doing, uh, it was probably like a reference to the mining that happens for Beskar uh, that they that they do, which is a, a metal very kind of exclusive to the Mandalore uh, uh you know, to Mandalore as a planet, or or maybe maybe it's also available through their moons or whatever. But um, that's a metal that's kind of like rare throughout the galaxy. Something that the Mandalorians are are known for having. Uh, impenetrable, impenetrable to lightsabers. It's, uh, well, it's it's resistance. It's resistance. Yeah, yeah. I think. Um, yeah, there's definitely, and in the EU, I believe, like there is some some sort of metal that does highly resist lightsabers. And I, I don't know. I think you're right. I think it is Beskar, but. Uh, it's definitely like uh, it's definitely got blaster resistance, like true blaster. Oh yeah, armor. for sure. Not like, for not sure. like stormtrooper plastoid armor. Um, yeah, Beskar is. Yeah. Uh, you, know, you know, I think you know, I think Luke's film needs to make a Star Wars um, element of uh, what's that table of elements. You know, I, th- <laughs> I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We'll get we'll get a whole bunch of them. Kyber. Uh, Beskar, Plastoid, you know, uh, yeah. all the different. There's so many gases as well, Tabana gas, and you know, there's just so many, so many things. I feel like Star Wars needs somebody needs to make one of these things. Uh, but anyway, maybe I'll do it. I don't know. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, we need these resources, guys. We need these. Um, yeah. Anyway, Satine in this episode criticizes the Jedi's peace, uh, peacekeeping stature. Uh, which is which is kind of interesting because this comes up countless times uh, throughout the show so far. It's a constant theme about how the Jedi are not peacekeepers anymore. They are leading a war, and and she actually uh, she brings it up more than once in this arc. But uh, this you know in the first episode, she naturally she brings it up to Obi Wan, an old friend of hers who at one point uh, spent a, a great deal of time protecting her for. Uh, I believe it was later on revealed to be like a year or something like that. But um, yep. <clears throat> yeah, anyway, uh, it was kind of a cool arc. Like we saw Obi-Wan go face to face with Pre Vizsla. What did you think of the Darksaber? Darksaber, big topic here. This is the first time chronologically that you see the Darksaber. It's also the first time ever that the world was uh, kind of revealed uh, the Darksaber, right? Like, like the first time anyone ever knew about it was from this episode in the Clone Wars quite a few years back now so what do you what did you think of that because you saw the mandalorian before uh this clone wars episode i uh, yeah when i saw when i saw distinct connection because that you know the, the last uh, couple episodes of um, the mandalorian there he pulls out that saber and then i'm like oh wow like but then as soon as i see it in the show i'm like oh so how is that the only one are they connected uh did somehow it ended up in Mando's um, uh, hands. Um, I'm not. I'm not exactly sure on that, but it was. It's cool to see because they actually mention it in the episode that that. Oh, this is. Uh, this is something. Um, we have. We have a Mandalore and Obi Wan fighting. Uh, this Mandalore pulls out this um, uh, black saber, uh, which is essentially like a. It looks like a samurai sword, kind of the hilt. The dark saber. Yeah. Um, the dark, the dark saber. He pulls the dark saber out, and then uh, he he says, "Oh, this is something that my ancestors got from ancient Jedi, like uh, mm, yeah, X, X amount of years ago." You remember that? So yeah, so so uh, this, the history of the dark saber is late later on revealed, much later or later on uh, in the show. In, not even in this show. The the full history of the dark saber is actually revealed in Star Wars Rebels. Mm, yeah. So, so like this lights this well this dark saber trades hands quite a few times. I will say that. Uh, Hopefully, that's not too big right. a spoiler. But, but uh, like I will say, like this dark saber has has made it around the block, kind of thing, right? Um, right? So by the time it pops up in the Mandalorian, 
if you've been following all the animated shows and, and all that, and you kind of know its story up until this point, um, it is still a surprise. Like there's no direct connection between uh, between the character in the Mandalorian that we saw wielding it uh, and the last time that we see it in in the animated shows. But uh, but yeah, it is the same saber, and this is technically the chronological first appearance of this lightsaber. So uh, the kind of the mm-hmm. tidbit preview that uh, previs like gives Obi Wan is that uh, this Jedi or sorry this this lightsaber uh, was stolen. From your Jedi Temple during the fall of the Old Republic, um, and uh, he says uh, uh, it, it was made by his ancestors. So pre Vizsla, uh, one of the members of the Vizsla clan was uh, Tar Vizsla, and Tar Vizsla, his like, you know, great 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 whatever grandfather kind of thing. It's he's like within the family tree. Uh, was a Mandalorian and the first Mandalorian to be inducted into the Jedi Order. And he was the one who made this lightsaber. So during the fall of the Old Republic, there was a group of Mandalorians, um, uh, a bunch of Vizsla clan Mandalorians, I would imagine, who went into the Jedi Temple and stole it back. And he says, up until this point, many Jedi have died by its blade. Which, which means that, like, after this Tar Vizsla fell, I guess, uh, it was stolen by, his ancestors, uh, by pre-Vizsla's ancestors and then used throughout history to uh, probably kill off Jedi. So this, this, yeah. this Darksaber has a pretty kind of gruesome past to it already. Just off the bat, we get the feeling like, okay, many Jedi have died upon its blade. Uh, that's not exactly the friendliest thing to hear uh, as far as a... You know, compared to a lightsaber, this has definitely got the contrasted name of, of, of a dark saber, right? So it's a very unique sound, that's for sure. Like, yeah, yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> um, yeah, but that's I don't know. That's that's pretty much what I got um, for this episode. Uh, if, if you had kind of anything more to to add, uh, uh, let me see here. Okay, yeah. I- for the Mandalore plot episode. Um, so you remember there's a there's a part of this episode where Obi-Wan is trapped in sort of a... Uh, kind of like a... How, uh, how can I explain it? It's kind of like a... Uh, like, a like a laser... Um, he's confined in this little laser... Um, like feel force field, I guess. I, I it's tough. To, I don't. Oh, I don't really. Yeah, know. the the, the ray shielded uh, like suspension thing. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And where he's hanging upside down, yeah. right? Uh, so w- let's just call it this this uh, field. All right. So he's 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 suspended in this in this uh, you know laser energy field uh, upside down, and um. The Mandalores have him on this sort of conveyor belt, and he's on his way to be crushed by this like press that's moving uh, horizontally together. Uh, and they have his lightsaber, of course, at this time. And there's a scene where there's a Mandalore, you know, operating this conveyor belt system. But there's so many points that I'm noticing in the show that the Jedi find themselves in these situations where they can easily use the Force. They're, like they don't have their you know they don't have their their lightsabers on them a hundred percent of the time, and I always find it strange because again in this particular episode, Obi Wan is hanging upside down. That doesn't mean he can't use his mind. He can't use the Force and and you know pick up that Mandalore, throw him against the wall, stop the machine with you know on when he brings that Mandalore on his way back down to kind of hit the red button, you know if you will. Um, so many so many points in the show that i'm noticing like they like the jedi like they they have these powers but because they want to be keepers of the peace they don't use them that often certain certain jedi because anakin is you know the complete opposite of that as we'll get to a a very hilarious point in in this arc uh but that's that's in the next episode um but yeah like jedi for example like anakin if he sees the opportunity where he needs answers from someone, if he's in a situation where he doesn't have his lightsaber, if he's in a situation where he doesn't have all the, you know, he doesn't necessarily have uh, enough time to, to do something the Jedi way, he gets it done, 
and that's that's why I I personally really like uh, Anakin a lot. Um, but you know, I was I was a little disappointed in Obi Wan because he's a master at this point. He could have easily done something and yeah, stopped that like, belt I, and I escaped. Like, you know, I feel like one ratio one ratio shouldn't have uh, prevented him from using the Force to turn off the computer that was driving. Exactly. Yeah, I thought that was a little weird. I think that's more or less just like a story plot point. Like one of those things that's yeah. like, okay, really? Like you could have done this, but you know, it's just for the suspense. Like this happened instead, and it's like, what? Yeah. Whatever. You know, like I don't know. Yeah. It's just like one of those things. But, uh, but yeah, I see where you're going with that. Yeah. yeah. I just kind of accept it as one of those directorial choices of like, okay, we want a suspenseful part where Satine has to save him and then get some banter afterwards for that. Uh, yeah. Let's make this happen. Uh, a climax point in the episode, yeah, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. For me, uh, yeah. the climax point was definitely seeing a lights an unexpected lightsaber duel between Obi-Wan and a Mandalorian. That was really cool. Yeah, that, that was... I, I wasn't expecting that at all. And that was the first time um, that you've seen the Darksaber actually in action being like, you know really wielded not just kind of held and cutting open the side of a tie fighter yeah exactly like uh the other than other than you know what we see in the mandalorian the the show um this is the first time i see it go against another lightsaber excuse me it's cool it's cool to see like um it's it's such a unique sound like i can't describe it it's um yeah it's because it's, it's it's from the old republic, so this is an old weapon, right? And it's the sounds of the sabers must have been different. The sound of this is different, so uh, it's it's cool to see it finally, like yeah. do some damage. Yeah, definitely. Um, well, um, it, uh, so I guess uh, hold on a second. I got I got one. Um, Oh, I guess you you might not be able to hear it, but I'm going to play a little clip here of Darksaber. They claim this sword. It's got this, uh, it's got this kind of hummering, um, kind of whistle about it. If that makes any sense. Yeah. I can... It's it. No, I'm not playing it. I get, I'm not playing oh, it. Yeah, it, 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 it's got this hummering kind of like shimmering. It's almost like a shimmering whistle. Um, yeah. Yeah. So that is pretty cool. But you like you love you love lightsabers. I mean, like you got you got your own ultra saber right here that you're holding. Um, yeah. And uh, you're planning on buying something in the future, possibly a higher quality yeah. saber. But. Yeah. Yeah, from another uh, from another uh, custom lightsaber uh, maker. Um, I'm not sure. How do you like the look of the, who to go with. How do you like the look of the dark saber? I like it. It's 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 cool. You know, it's it's got a samurai uh, kind of uh, design. The the hilt, at least, uh, and and it's a dark saber. It's it's black. What's not to like? Yeah. It's pretty cool. The only thing is, like, I like the sound. Uh, because of its uniqueness, but in terms of me having one, like that's its primary sound font. Not that I wouldn't change it, kind of thing. I don't know. I like. I I would almost rather it be like a regular, what we're used to, if you will. You know, like. Yeah. But. Yeah, for sure. But that's just me. Yeah. So what'd you get from the next one? Because uh, next one being Voyage of Temptation, we get a lot of uh, a lot of more revealed about. Obi-Wan as a teen, how uh, Obi-Wan spent a year on, on Mandalore uh, during his days with Qui-Gon, uh, playing protector to Satine uh, when she was, I guess, under attack by another group of people, maybe. Uh, but uh, Or there was a, a civil war that was mentioned or something. But um, yeah, basically, I, that, what stood out to me was uh, the relationship between him and Satine is very kind of almost a parallel to the relationship between Anakin and and Padme, where Anakin yeah. Anakin was assigned to protect Padme, and he fell in love with her, just the same as Obi Wan was assigned to protect Satine, and those two fell in love as well. But the only contrast being Anakin gave into his heart and followed his his feelings into a marriage with Padme, whereas Obi Wan and Satine did not. They they uh, decided yeah. to. Uh, kind of stick with the Jedi code and and with her responsibilities as a Duchess of Mandalore, 
So, um, yeah, that, that was kind of a big one of this episode. Yeah, um, that's a very good point, actually. That's exactly pretty much what I was going to bring up. But there's a there's a funny little moment uh, uh, where Obi-Wan and Anakin are talking and Obi-Wan says, um, Jedi shouldn't make attachments. And uh, my, my thing, like you heard oh, me say it yeah, in the episode. like what Yoda was saying, right? Said, exactly. Yeah. So I I found that moment funny. It's like, hmm. Yeah. So yes, Obi Wan Kenobi didn't follow suit like Anakin did, where he went into a marriage and all that stuff. Yes, he followed the Jedi code. Blah blah blah. Cool. But he's still copying what was told to him, yeah. which he told to, which he has told to Anakin several times. But you know, do I think he knows that they're married? Like, there's just no way if they're that close. If they spend that much time together. You know, Anakin and Obi Wan, they're that close. There's just no way that he wouldn't know and he just kinda kept on the hush about it. You is know? that the um, like, is that the uh like are you talking about Obi Wan knowing about Anakin and Padme? Yes. Okay, yeah, so so he definitely suspects something. He doesn't he doesn't really question Anakin's loyalty to the Jedi Code though. I think that's that's kind of where uh the leniency comes in. That's that's kind of this is all leading up to that point in episode three where he kind of looks at Padme and goes, Anakin is the father, isn't he? I'm so sorry. Yeah. Right? Like, like he, it just kind yeah. of like <laughs> leads up to that, right? <laughs> so, so, yeah. yeah so, so uh, like, like it, it's, definitely leading up, it's definitely leading up to that kind of conclusion that he has. He just knows, right? And, and uh, later on in the show, we're, we're actually, we're on the final season right now on Disney Plus and, and one of the last, uh, episodes that he made an appearance in so far um he he kind of you can tell that he knows about about anakin and padme but i don't think his knowledge goes as far as to believing that they are married i think he just kind of he just gets it right he, he just knows that they do have feelings for each other and you know and and yet like and that's okay but but i think the, where the jedi's code comes in is that you're not allowed to form attachments and uh you know therefore act on it either so which means no marriage uh definitely no marriage right and then also just kind of mentally preparing yourself not to stay attached if something were to happen to that person because that could drive you down a dark path which is exactly what we saw anakin do uh later on but um and that's exactly what Obi-Wan is kind of like more master over his feelings is he kind of like rejects those even though he he acknowledges the fact that he does love Satine at the end of this episode especially when they have that little conversation um one of the funniest parts of the episode mind you um and and he does admit to Satine he's like all right you know uh had you said the word I would have left the Jedi order and and th yeah. that really stuck out to you Oh yeah, yeah. Because it made me think, like, huh? So uh, this is, of course, at the time when him, Obi Wan, and Qui Gon Jinn are protecting uh, the Duchess Satine at, at you know X amount of years ago, uh, according to the show. At that point, um, but it's funny to think, like, he would have abandoned it just like that. So it it, it really does that. That stood out to me because it kind of really it really helps me kind of make a bigger connection between Obi-Wan and Anakin is if all, all he needed was a word, he would have been all over it. Right. Yeah. Um, of course there's a whole lot of, there's a whole lot of similarities between the two and there's a whole lot of differences as well. But uh, in that particular fact, like it was cool to see like, huh? So Obi-Wan isn't this, hundred percent by the code Jedi that the character that we all love and know, you know, throughout the movies and the shows and stuff until this episode for me, we, we kind of see a different side of Obi-Wan that I quite frankly have never seen. So I really liked that part. Um, yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah. Let's actually uh, listen to a clip here from the episode. This is Merrick. Stand by to disengage. Say farewell, Duchess. Obi-Wan, it looks like I may never see you again. I don't know quite how to say this, but I've loved you from the moment you came to my aid all those years ago. I don't believe this. Satine, this is hardly the time or place for... All right, 
Had you said the word, I would have left the Jedi Order. That is touching. Truly it is. But it's making me sick, and we really must be going. You have the romantic soul of a slug, Merrick! Go! And slugs are so often trod upon. Interesting turnabout. But even if I do not deliver the Duchess alive to the Separatists, I still win. The second I'm away, I'll hit the remote and blow the coronet to bits. I will not allow that. What will you do? If you shoot me, you prove yourself a hypocrite to every pacifist ideal you hold dear. And you, Kenobi, you are no stranger to violence. You'd be hailed as a hero by everyone on this ship. Almost everyone. Come on, then. Who will strike first and brand themselves a cold-blooded killer? Anakin. What? He was gonna blow up the ship. Obi-Wan, I... General Skywalker, the last of the droids have been defeated, sir. Very good, Cody. I must get back to the business of diplomacy. As you say, Duchess, some other time. All right, yeah, so that's uh, that's a little clip from Voyage of Temptation there. At the very end, uh, one of my favorite moments in the entire show, Anakin just comes up behind the, the, the guy about to... Uh, uh, blow up the ship and just you know the build-up is there right like he's like who's gonna kill me even if you wanted to right like this is a pacifist you're not gonna shoot he's a jedi and you're not gonna kill me in front of your your uh, lady friend here who is a pacifist because everyone else might be happy about it but uh but the only person that matters to you isn't gonna isn't gonna care for it very much, right? And then and then he's like, "Come on, you know who's who's gonna strike first? Like, call himself a cold blood killer." And then boom, yeah. like Anakin comes in, freaking <laughs> just stabs him through the back, and then yeah. and then <laughs> and then <laughs> Obi Wan just kind of like looks at him reluctantly with relief and goes, "Oh, Anakin." And then I love his line. He's just like, "What? He's gonna blow up the ship?" Like. <laughs> <laughs> As if that justifies everything that he just did, which, you know, in some ways it does. It's like, okay, come on, like the guy was going to blow up the ship. But at the same time, just the the comical relief of the situation being, it's like, okay, you're supposed to be Guardians of the Peace and everything like that. Plus, you're standing right here in front of a pacifist. And then you just straight up, like, stab someone through the back. Because <laughs> he doesn't care. That's he doesn't what I love about Yeah, he doesn't yeah. care. But that's what yeah. I love about Anakin, like, through this yeah. whole show as well. Like, they, they kind of make him a little cocky, a little, uh, a little, um, you know, confident in his ability uh, and uh, almost overly confident, right? Uh, yeah. Overly, oh, just, yeah, he just does what he wants. And, and that's, like, this is something we talked about before about, like, his methods kind of go beyond the Jedi code a little bit uh and it, it kind of comes across as comical right now but in some ways it's also a bit of a dangerous thing for him because he's kind of stepping outside the realm of like what a Jedi would kind of be accepted for yeah yeah so even even it comes in little moments like this but later on in the show it does get a lot darker a lot deeper and these kind of seeds uh are they're only being planted right now but I mean you know, I can tell you, like, this does come in, like, at a later a later point. It becomes an issue for him because he's learning right now that his methods uh, get him what he wants. Yeah. Right? Like, like his, his kind of, like, personal opinion of, like, what should be done uh, is, is kind of outweighing his Jedi code. And, and, and you know, he believes that some, sometimes that the Jedi code prevents them from kind of achieving their goals, right? Yeah, so. I think part of that, I, I think that part of that kind of boils back down to what Qui Gon tells him in the uh, first um, episode for the Phantom oh, Menace. Yeah, yeah. Uh, feel, don't think, uh, yeah. use your instincts. Yeah, just before the pod racer. Um, I think part of that mentality does come from Qui Gon a little bit. Um, 
definitely when when anakin gets older he does make his own decisions right which are sometimes not the best but he does win most of the time right and um but yeah i think a lot of that mentality first started with that scene where he's where qui-gon tells him you know use your feelings and don't think just you just go you know um so definitely cool to see that um another thing do you have anything for this episode uh yeah so um those there's in this episode um voyage of temptation we do see some interesting looking droids they're like uh I'm just gonna call them oh, yeah. spider. I'm just gonna call yeah, them spider the assassin droids. probes. The assassin probes that they were talking about. Yeah. No, like, the, are those the spider droids? Yeah. They, yeah. They they called them uh, assassin probe droids. Assassin probe droids. All right. So these assassin probe droids, uh, they walk and they crawl like spiders, right? But it's cool because they get shot, they get cut in half with a blaster, but there's little orifices in the top, in like, I guess the head of this droid. And then as soon as it dies, a bunch of these little baby ones come out and then yeah. everybody freaks out. Oh, I, what do we do now? And then some some clones die, some, you know, some it's get thrown kinda, off guard. It's almost kind of gross when you see it because have you seen those YouTube videos of uh, spiders getting squashed and then their egg sac explodes and all these tiny little spiders like crawl out is really gross looking. That's exactly what I was thinking. Ex- yeah. 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 Totally. Um, Another thing that uh, Star Wars has in common with, you know, basing itself in our reality kind of thing, right? Yeah, totally. Totally. Um, It's the first time during uh, one of the scenes where they're fighting these uh, assassin probe droids. uh, um, We see the first saber throw. um, Which I thought... that's right. Yeah. Yeah, we see the first uh, saber throw. Anakin cool because in the show we haven't seen it in the movies we do um but it's cool because we see, we see it when darth vader does it in return of the jedi when when anakin throws his saber at luke who's in the rafters yes that's, we that's, see it. that's what you're talking about right yeah um i'm trying to remember in the prequels if we see it at all uh i don't remember seeing any lightsaber throws in in the prequels at all actually uh mm, we, saw, we saw a lightsaber being thrown off when obi-wan tosses it to anakin when he fights dooku uh in episode two but that's the only one i can think of yeah but i'm, I'm saying saber throw then then perhaps yeah perhaps return of the jedi because that for sure that for sure happened um yeah um rogue one maybe at the final scene no no, I don't think so. Um, I don't think so because he's he has it on him pretty much the entire time, and he he like force chokes them and throws them against the wall. I you know what? I'm just curious. I want to see that scene one last time. I'll pull it up in this in, on the side here. Um, Rogue Rogue One uh, Vader scene. Uh, but yeah, it was cool to see the that uh, saber throw because we don't. We don't get a whole lot of that, um, and it's it's cool because that's a display of power that um, yeah, it's, uh, it's, 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 it's quite cool. Not everybody has, yeah, that's, that's yeah, it's something that not everybody does as well. It's kind of uh, again, it's kind of typical Anakin to kind of do something outside the box of uh, of common ground. You know, he's, yeah, it's it's something that again, it kind of separates him from from other Jedi, right? Yeah, uh, just using kind of battle tactics and methods that uh, other others don't always use, right? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, very good point. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, uh, but I guess that's all I got for this episode here. Uh, I have a couple. Yeah, I have a couple more points. Right. Um, sorry, I'm just kind of distracted from the the best scene of the whole franchise. Um, <laughs> but, no problem. What's your What's your next point? Yeah. So, uh, well, uh, hold on. Oh yeah, the Mandalore ship. So, if you guys remember uh, Boba Fett's ship, Jango Fett's ship, the shape of them, uh, they're very different uh, in terms of what the actual Mandalores use because uh, 
they're just bounty hunters, but the Mandalore ships, they're, they're not, they're not like curved. They're very flat. They're kind of like, uh, mm-hmm. uh how, how can I explain it? It's almost like, well, very uh, long, very long. I don't know. It's, it's, I'd have to pull up a picture, which you guys unfortunately can't see, but you know what I'm talking about. Like they're very different. Yeah. Uh, com, com, uh, they're called Comark class fighters. Comark class fighters. Yeah, K O M R K, uh, class, uh, fighter. So Comark class, uh, fighter slash transports, whatever. Uh, also known as Gauntlet star fighters, um, mm-hmm. were used by Mandalorians, uh, primarily by Death Watch, um, and uh, during the Clone Wars, and and. Uh, some of them even kind of popped up beyond that as well, but um, yeah, I, I I believe you can buy um, a miniature for this in the X-wing board game as well. Oh really? Nice. Yeah. yeah. So it's it's it is a cool ship. Uh, yeah, I'm looking at the stats here. It's uh, 68 meters uh, in length for the for the larger version, and then smaller versions have a, a length of 52.3 meters. So they're actually pretty sizable. They're not like little ships; like they're pretty big. But what's cool yeah. about them is that the wings kind of like fold. Like when they're sitting idle on the ground, they look like horns kind of going up, like these. Yeah. Wings. And then yeah. when it kind of fires off, uh, the the uh, the wings kind of level out and make this kind of flat, kind of razor looking, razor thin looking ship uh, that then you know, flies around and does its thing. So, mm-hmm. yeah, and I believe those those wings are also on a spinning uh, gear. So while it's while it's uh, flying, those can actually, very similar to a B-wing, um, those wings can actually rotate around the center cockpit spire. Yeah. Uh, which is pretty cool as well. So it's a really sick looking ship. Mm-hmm. I wish they made one for Lego. Yeah. Yeah, I was I was actually I just saw on Google Images here. It looked like yeah. one there of the a Lego it, one. Yeah, but I yeah. I've never seen it for sale anywhere. Uh, so there's a, yeah, there's a new Lego. Uh, sorry, it's an old Lego. One. It better it's it's a set uh 9525 Previsla's Mandalorian Fighter. Um so this was a set in what is it 2012? I believe so 2012. Um yeah, release date 2012. Uh, contained Obi-Wan, Previsla, and a Death Watch trooper. Uh, and it was released under the Lego batch, which had Darth Maul as the the cover banner. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, retail price for that today uh, is going for... Uh, oh boy. I guess a lot of them are used now, so you can't really buy them anymore, but... Uh, on Amazon.com, I'm looking for one. Oh boy, yeah, it's priced a little high. It's priced uh, 300 bucks with $50 for shipping. So that's because they're super <laughs> no. rare now. Yeah, super rare at this point. Uh, but you know, there's actually not a lot to the ship. Like, like the part, the parts count isn't crazy. Uh, no. The only thing you'd, you'd miss out on the figures, but you, it's the kind of design. Uh, it only has like three or four colors to it, and it's the kind of ship in size and build that you could probably build at home with the given given the right parts right um, so yeah but that's it is a cool ship a very cool ship yeah um so um, yeah uh i don't know do you have anything else for this one or should we move on to the next one uh this one yeah that's that's pretty much it for this one for me all right um, so the last one then the last one kind of gets into the political side of this whole ordeal and yeah. uh, brings Satine to Coruscant, where she has to kind of plead her case for the Republic not to intervene uh, in the Death Watch kind of scandal going on with the, all the assassination attempts on her life and on the planet. Um, mm-hmm. So uh, from the beginning, though, we get hints that Palpatine is the one behind all of this. Now, now we already know that Dooku is kind of supporting Pre Vizsla and his clan, his Death Watch clan. Uh, with the plan... Uh, I would assume um, is almost to either because because I mean they're playing both sides of the war right so initially we think oh the plan is to have Death Watch kind of be the the saviors of um, of Mandalore by fending off the the droid forces or whatever 
but uh, now it's revealed that, oh, no, the plan gets a little deeper. Uh, they're there to actually fend off the Republic's forces because once we invade the planet with the Separatists, the Republic naturally is going to come uh, as a magnet to kind of fend off the, the droid uh, mm -hmm. army, armies, right? And, yep. uh, and, you know, but that entails that the Republic needs to be you know, have a vote and, and get to get involved and whatever. So, uh, you know, Palpatine from the get-go, though, has a role in this. He shows up as a hologram to Dooku. He's behind the whole thing. Um, and naturally, he uses tampered with footage, hologram footage of uh, somebody in the Mandalorian political government, a friend of Satine's, uh, giving fake news about how they need the Republic to intervene. And Duchess Satine knows better. She knows that this friend of hers um, isn't... Uh, like he, that he like none of this is true uh and and she believes that the footage is fake sure enough it is so uh she has a secret meeting with one of her people uh, who gives her the actual recording that she then needs to smuggle into the senate uh and and all that stuff so um yeah uh what did you get for this uh, on this one not a whole lot it was very um a very political episode but it, it, it what i did catch is that um there's a part in the um in this episode where they're having uh the council's having a meeting on uh that just uh and they're trying they're saying uh we're gonna help you and all these things and then she's saying no it's a lie it's a lie and then she finally gets the tape later on in the episode. They play the actual version of the tape. And when it's revealed that the Mandalores actually said in the footage, they said, oh, we do not want the help from the Jedi because it will it will mess things up. It'll make a whole bunch of yeah. conflict and whatever else. And there's a little kind of key way to uh, Palpatine's face where we see him kind of show both sides of who he is right because he's 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 a he's a double agent right and yeah. he we we see him we see him kind of make like a pissed off misses. look yeah yeah yeah, yeah he he makes a pissed off look but then he he immediately goes to like calm where it makes him seem like oh yes okay i'm so sorry and then yeah. sure enough later on in the episode he actually uh, yeah. apologizes to the duchess that, that like, really sticks you see the two faces you see the hypocrisy of palpatine right but again his hypocrisy is also his his genius because he's he's just one of uh, a very important character as we know but um like it, it's it's always amazing to me to see how behind the scenes he was, but so involved in it. But at the same time, no one ever knew or caught wind that he was doing all the things that he's doing. Like I, I, I'm never, uh, it never ceases to amaze me just how brilliant Palpatine has always been. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. And that's, that's, that's exactly it. Yeah. So, um, like his, his master plan <clears throat> is to basically make it look like the Republic is is invading Mandalore, right? Like they yeah. want they want again, like it's it's Palpatine making the Jedi look bad because according to Satine's people and Satine as well, the Jedi are the ones leading this war. Like they are the generals in this in this Republic army, and uh, they're responsible for most of the decisions made as far as the war effort goes, right? So uh, naturally, like it will make the Jedi look bad no matter what happens here because. Uh, if they invade Mandalore, Mandalore, are, Mandalore is not going to like the Jedi very much. And then, yeah. uh, you know, so it, like it's it's just one of those things that that constantly is coming up of like Palpatine turning the people slowly against the Jedi, like yeah. uh, by by means of, you know, and, and it always like it makes you wonder in episode three. It's like, yeah, you see his deformed face and he kind of claims the attempt on his life. But it's like people so easily give into his lie. And it's like how like 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 you know you've been trusting the jedi for for years now with the clone war like like how do you just kind of, like this is how liberty dies a thunderous applause like how did that happen so freaking fast and and yep. in the clone wars this is like this is it like you are seeing the progression of the corruption in the senate leading to the corruption of uh, the perspective of the Jedi. Like the people of the Republic are being turned against the Jedi just as he is turning Anakin against the Jedi. 
he is making the Jedi look like the enemy um, and using the Republic's enemy to do that. Uh, exactly. So he's, he's a mastermind. He's the puppeteer. He's doing everything behind the scenes. And um, I heard a reference to the Jedi by um, Satine uh, referenced the Jedi as almost leading a crusade, which was really interesting to me because the crusades, as we all know, are... Uh, or a war that was led by uh, by Catholics or, or like Christians, right? And which is super contrast to like kind of like uh, what Jesus would do, right? And and kind of she like compares that to to uh, or she uses the analogy of a crusade to talk about the Jedi in that manner. And uh, the, to me, I was like, wow, that's that's really interesting. Like they are kind of like knights like leading a crusade wielding their swords in battle and yet they kind of stand on higher ground to call themselves peacekeepers like there's something super weird about that you know yeah uh, and Satine is calling them out on it. so um yeah she also says counting on the republic is a mistake in this episode she kind of says that in front of padme and obi-wan and and like you can see her disappointment with uh, with the Republic, even though she's a part of it, she's remaining neutral in the war, and yeah. uh, you can see her kind of disappointment. And this has kind of come up before with other planets through the, the show that we've seen so far uh, that were unwilling to count on the Republic for aid, which uh, includes Ryloth, Champs and Dula, who's leading the rebellion on Ryloth against the droids, reluctant to take Mace Windu's help. Um, also had a hard time trusting the Republic to kind of do their service properly and not maintain occupancy after uh, they reclaim the planet from the droids, right? So, yeah, uh, yeah this has come up before. Uh, but what was interesting to me, we don't have too much time left, so I'm going to quickly kind of bash through this. Um, Padme is seen as a trustworthy person because Satine says to, Pad uh, to Obi-Wan when she passes him the card that, uh, like, she says, get this to Padme. Did you notice that? Yeah. Yeah, Which means totally. like she tr she trusts Padme. Padme is in the Senate. She's known as this trustworthy person. Uh, same as Bail Organa. He carries this uh, this voice about him that people just respect him, right? Respect is a huge thing amongst politicians. If you have respect of fellow senators, you have power. Yeah. 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 And and that's that's just it. Like it's it's so funny to see that because like we said, uh, he's so behind the scenes, but puppeting everything. How does no one uh, ever find out until, uh, you know, of course, uh, Revenge of the Sith. But um, but we're, we're a couple years before that, right? Uh, at this point in the show. So uh, even then, like his, his mastermind plan is just, it's just unbelievable to see how, how smart he is. Like I, I had this small little theory, like not, I don't really kind of, I don't use this little theory of mine as this is definitely what happened kind of thing. But my theory is what if it, if, if it was just all a big Sith mind trick, right? Mm -hmm. And he, and, and he was so powerful that without doing it to individually to people, he just had everyone kind of under his nose. He used the force, but he's so powerful that he doesn't, he doesn't need to, you know, like really focus in on it. He just makes it happen and everyone falls for it kind of thing. I've always thought of it uh, a potential um, a potential outlook of it on uh, like through that. Um, yeah. But I, I, I would be I would not be surprised if someone were to say, oh, it's a it's a mind trick. Right. Yeah, it, yeah, yeah. for sure. Yeah. Because yeah. of all people, I think Palpatine would be able to do it. Right. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, another thing just to add on to that is uh, along with that whole kind of corruption, Mandalore blames re the Republic's actions for the Civil War. That came up in, in, uh, in uh, well, I think it was the hologram or something. But yeah, M Mandalore, Mandalore's leadership basically uh, has blame on the Republic for kind of uh, going along with this. Like just, you know, like why not just let the Separatists do their thing? Like why not, you know, like just you know like they kind of like they're seeing around the the kind of uh building blocks of corruption that kind of palpatine has in place right yeah like he's orchestrated the entire clone army to conveniently be there when the republic needs to de defend the jedi on geonosis right yeah and and mace windu you know is is convinced to kind of take the remaining jedi they have 
to to Geonosis to rescue Obi-Wan and Anakin and uh, the senator of Naboo, right? So, like, yeah. all these kind of uh, events just kind of fall into place because Palpatine is behind all of it. And, yeah. um, and we're, we're still seeing that at this point in the war. Uh, we're seeing it in episodes like this where it's, like, clear that, that he is wanting something to happen and uh yet a rock was thrown in his path uh in this one like you saw him grimace he's like okay yeah. he was not expecting the truth to come out about this hologram but um you know he's always got a way around it and and like dooku said to pre vizsla he says we have other ways of uh, accomplishing our goal so, yeah. yeah yeah so so i think we're gonna see a lot more in the future seasons but uh um, yeah, but uh, I, I think know, that's all the time we have for this one. Yeah, yeah. So but, uh, uh, thanks for joining us on the show, there, Diego. Always good. Yeah, time. thank you, thank you. Uh, it's always a pleasure to be on. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, oh, I think we lost him there. All right. Uh, well, he will be back. <laughs> uh, Diego's always back, and uh, always back with Clone Wars talk. Uh, but uh, yeah, how, how do you like Clone Wars talk? I mean, we try to keep it kind of different, uh, try to keep it uh, conversational. Um, but, uh, you know, we want to hear what you guys think uh, of the show because it is a relatively new show and uh, it's still in its, uh, you know, double digit episode count. So uh, send any feedback to SW Escape Podcast on our Twitter. Uh, feel free to, uh, you know, mention us in that. Um, and uh, send us an email to uh, or, or send us an email to theescapepod at outlook.com uh, send us a voice memo even uh, and if it's uh, something that we can even play on the show uh, and as far as questions go or your your question for our opinion kind of thing um, they're always welcome uh, you are always welcome to get in touch with us and, uh, and it's um, uh, also really helpful for any of you guys who've been sharing the show uh, with any fellow fans, especially during this time of uh, kind of viral crisis going on. Everyone's confined to their homes and all that. Um, it'd be it'd be really cool um, if you kind of sent a link out on your social media to our to our podcast just to kind of get out there and whatnot. So um, yeah, uh, thanks again for tuning in. Uh, once again, uh, I'm your host Josh, and uh, today your co-host was Diego. So. Uh, See you guys next time. Stay safe, stay healthy, and uh, may the Force be with you. It's like-